Hello, everybody. My name is Al Jobes, and I am the host of the Midwest Bar Life Podcast. It is my pleasure and intention to reach and to teach. I will be interviewing people that eat, live, and breathe a life that is involved in the bar life. If you are a bartender, a manager, I want to talk to you. If you are a winemaker, brewmaster, if you are a bar or restaurant owner, a chef or a cook, or a sommelier, you name it, we will bring it. These are your neighbors, friends, co-workers, and family members. Without further ado, let's get to know each other. Hello? What's up, Al? Hey, what's up, Alex? How are you? Doing great, man. Excellent, excellent. Well, I want to thank you for taking time out to do this little interview for the podcast. For sure. So, I guess we get started. Uh, how about a little introduction about who you are and uh, what you do? Sure. Yeah, so uh, Alex Senna. I'm a winemaker, general manager at Revel OTR, um, and then, uh, you know, husband, father of four, so nice. kind of, um, you know, splitting, splitting that family time up with uh, just, you know, holding, holding it down uh, here at OTR. Nice, nice. So, uh, how would you think, how would you say you're handling this uh, little uh, lockdown that we got going on with the coronavirus? Oh, well, you know, I mean, we're, we're so fortunate, um, to be in the position we are, uh, you know, despite all this, because, you know, we're able to still, well, one, I'm able to stay busy just, uh, you know, doing production in the cellar. So, you know, I feel very fortunate to have that, but then, you know, as a business, um, you know, we're able to still sell, uh, you know, wine and, you know, our, our big sort of, um, saving grace through all this has been the ability to deliver right to customers' doorstep. And uh, people have really been taking advantage of that and just helping us weather this storm. So, you know, I feel like we we, we really can't complain much because we've we've been fortunate to, um, to, you know, still have some business trickling in and keep these lights on. Well, that's good. It's good to hear. Yeah. So speaking about the, uh, the winemaking thing, how long have you been doing that? So professionally since 2011. And, um, you know, before that, I just kind of grown up around it. Um, you know, my uncle's grandfather made wine growing up. So always sort of had a little exposure to it, but, um, but yeah, in 2011, sort of when I got an opportunity to, to break into the industry, um, professionally. Okay. Nice. So before, I guess, uh, before you were doing the winemaking thing, what would you, what, what what were the kind of jobs that you had? Well, so mostly horticulture industry. Um, so my, uh, I worked for a family like landscape and garden center uh, business pretty much since I was like 14. And, you know, very much expected to do that stuff the rest of my life. Gotcha. Um, you know, and I mean, love it. Like, I like working outside, like working with my hands. And, um, and, and yeah, so between working for the family business, um, I worked for a few other landscape outfits, and then um, started my own company with uh, with a business partner. Um, that was back in gosh, probably 2005. Um, and yeah, so we you know 
I've been playing for a little while, and it, it, gosh, you just appreciate so many of the um, decisions. You always think you know better than your boss, you know. Right. right. <laughs> so, so that was cool. You know, it was a great learning experience for me to just get to see that side of the business. Um, I still apply a lot of that knowledge now. So it sounds like you're taking um, something that was a hobby of yours, and now you're making money with it. What are some um, other things that you consider hobbies that you do right now? Probably the biggest is uh, just camping, camping with the family. And, I mean, that's that's pretty much uh, almost like what I live for, you know, is, is those times to just kind of sit out in the woods and watch my kids run around. Uh, right, that's awesome. And then, you know, like, like going kayaking a lot, my wife and I and dog, and then, um, you know, we my, my wife and I like to garden a lot too, so – uh, I'd say that's that's a hobby that's almost a little out of control. Every year we keep <laughs> making our gardens bigger and bigger, and we struggle to keep up with them. But uh, but it's nice, you know, when you get to go out back and pick that one ripe, beautiful tomato, uh, it's all worth it. Yeah, I hear you. So with all this outside time now, uh, doing things, I guess you don't spend too much time binge watching TV. You know, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's still like. I, I, feel, I feel like it's almost uh, something you have to do right now. It's it's sort of like a common, uh, you know, that's what everybody's doing, right? And, right, uh, right. So I had to do the Tiger King. I had to. As much Tiger as King, I was convinced right. that it was going to blow and that ain't my thing, uh, it was, you know, it was captivating TV, man. It was. And, uh, oh, no doubt. Um, <laughs> a freaking mean machine, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but no, like we've been we've been getting into some stuff like uh oh gosh, uh we actually the probably the ones uh one me and my wife finished on most recently was Fargo. Uh first Fargo. two seasons of the of the T V series, which I'd never seen before. And they were fantastic. Nice. I have not checked that out yet. Oh, it's big, killer. Big I mean into, uh big into the Ozark right now. Yeah, you know, that's one like I kinda got into for the first season a few years back and then uh just kind of fell out of it you know it's like it's almost like if it's not something that both me and megan are into um right, right. you know it's kind of, exactly exactly but uh but yeah no that's a that's a good one for sure i mean i've been hearing a lot so it's only a matter of time before i run out of something else i don't have to get back into that gotcha so I got to ask, we'll go a little off topic here. Um, put on kind of personal things with you. What is your favorite cuss word? <laughs> well, um, I, I'm going to go with my second favorite because I'm pretty sure the first, uh, unless you're in England, probably isn't acceptable um, <laughs> to say all the time. But yeah, you know, I blame my wife. She makes me watch all these British shows. But no, it's got to be fuck, man. It's so right. versatile. It's got to be. I hear you. I hear you can use it for everything. Absolutely. <laughs> Terms so. of endearment and, uh, you know, tell right. someone to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Now, how about you uh, tell me something that you feel like you're not very good at? Oh, um, well, um, in my personal life, the thing I'm the worst at is leaving a party or just leaving <laughs> a good time to go where I'm supposed to be. I'm freaking you. awful at that. I hear you. Um, and, you know, like professionally, um, I'd say 
I'd say some of it is just like knowing where to, um, you know, when when you wear a lot of hats, it's knowing which one to put on all the time. You know, it, I got a lot of work in front of me. I love you, Alex. I love you too, Allie. You know, when you got a lot of work in front of you, sometimes you're like, you just gotta, you just gotta pick something and get to work. And yeah, sometimes I just sit there and the gears are turning too long, and when I need to just kind of jump in, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So with you being a, I guess like a father, a husband, um, winemaker, you know, having a job, being in this business, what would you consider to be the best compliment you've ever received? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, gosh, as you know, in my in my home life, it's, it's basically anytime somebody tells me, like, compliments my kids for being well behaved, because nice. from all I can see, they're just freaking awful all the time. No exception. <laughs> when somebody when they're able to fool someone else into thinking they're not shitheads, uh, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. That's awesome. But, uh, but you know, and then. I'd say on a professional level, uh, one time there's a guy uh, who works in the industry down here, um, good friend, and he ha- he happens to work at Nicola's. And uh, so, you know, big fan of Italian wine. And he uh, had our Sangiovese, and he said it reminded him of a Brunello. Oh, that's And, yeah, I was just like, shit, man, that's uh, that's quite possibly the best compliment I could ever get about this one. Yeah, right? That would blow me away uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So whether, I mean, maybe he was just trying to schmooze me, but I'll, again, I'll take it. <laughs> right? That counts, though. Counts as yeah, problem. damn straight. So what would you, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into making wine? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think the the biggest thing, and, and this really was sort of my my secret weapon to getting in and, and just, you know, kind of um, putting myself in a position where people trusted me being responsible for the wine programs is, is it's really just not being afraid to ask questions. You just got to ask as many questions to as many people as you can. And even when you feel like you got an answer you can rely on, um, there's so many different ways to do things that, you know, you just got to, you just got to always be soaking that stuff in. Just be a sponge, you know, and there's so much info out there now, and there's so many resources available to us all the time. Um, And, you know, that's not just for winemaking, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I I see so many people um, waste opportunities when they're around other folks, you know, in this industry who've been doing a long time because all they want to do is talk about what they do and, or, you know, how what they do is so great and this and that. And, like, that's cool when people are asking you, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you can learn something from, from someone who's been doing it half as long as you, because there's so much of this, this business. And I kind of think it's like brewing in a way too, is, you know, it's problem solving and it's finding out ways to do, um, what you can with what you got kind of, you know, with, with the, the budget you got, with the equipment you got, the building, all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's to to really sum it up. It's just you know ask a lot of questions all the time, okay. and never be satisfied that you got it figured out. Looking for a way to improve every single um, kind of facet. Gotcha. That's pretty much the only way you learn, right? You ask questions. Oh, for sure. And, and research. 
Yeah, and like, you know, you can an academic route for sure. But, you know, this isn't necessarily, I mean, like if you're going to be a lab tech in a winery and you take an academic route, you know, you're, you're set, right? He's a very, that's sort of a very controlled um, um, kind of subset of this business. But everything else, I mean, it's almost like being a contractor, you know, being being in a trade, you're dealing with field conditions. You know, things, just, you're, not, you're not making wine in a vacuum. Right. So there's, no matter what sort of academic background you got doing this, until you start getting in it and you got to deal with these problems, whether it's the climate and or just, um, you know, when things start, going sideways or just not as planned um you know from a stylistic standpoint when you're trying to make a wine you got an idea what you want to do but you got to be adaptive um so so yeah that's where i think it's just like you know that's the best way to learn man is you get in it get in it don't be afraid to take a seller job that's how everybody starts it doesn't matter if you got a degree from uc davis you know you're going to come into a a winery working in the cellar or working in the vineyard and and that's how you got to cut your teeth gotcha that's kind of kind of like you gotta start at the bottom and pay your dues right no doubt man and and you know any i i think it's the same in a lot of the um you know in in restaurant uh business too like you know just because if you come into a place that's um you know very sort of um I don't know, like, you know, high end basically is, I guess, the easiest way to say it is that, you know, just because you came from somewhere else, they're not just going to all of a sudden, you know, let you come in and just do whatever you want. You got to learn their techniques and their style and all that because, right. you know, it's, they're, they're trying to keep that identity. So, so yeah, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta just start and work your way up. And, and it's not, you know, it, it's not something that like you gotta be willing to, you know, make somebody out of out of the gates making, you know, you know, fifty, sixty grand. But um but you know, you get there and and that's the thing. It's like if you listen and people can see that, you know, you you have a genuine interest in in making good product. You're not just trying to, you know, do the job, clock out and go home, get your fucking paycheck. You know, if they see that you got genuine interest in making something good and special, that that people, you know, that that's got some heart behind it. I mean, that's the shit you can't replace, and you can't teach that. You know, and that's when even you can make fucking mistakes when you got that attitude, because they know that long term, those are the people you want to invest in. Right, right. I hear you. Kind of uh, people that want to learn from their mistakes or can learn from their mistakes. For sure, man. I mean, one one of the things that's always like a huge red flag for me, if I'm getting in a, you know, business with someone, you know, and I, and I said even just like as an employee, like if we hire a new employee, is if you can't own a mistake, if you're too scared to to own a fuck up, I mean that's that's just it's a red flag for me because now I'm sitting here thinking, hey, what are all the things that you might fuck up and you won't tell me because I don't see it, right? You know, when it's like. Hey, it's it's fine, man. I mean, I'm the first to admit, like, I'm I make mistakes on the regular, you know, and I don't expect anybody to not not make mistakes. So, um, yeah, yeah, man. It's there's 
there's so much to be said from just being able to own it and learn from it. You know, it's pretty hard to learn from if you're trying to hide it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So with your, in order to stay, um, like, on top with your role, um, outside of, like, trying to learn from your mistakes or anything, or is there anything else that you do? Do you, like, do you look, look at books? Do you go to any kind of, like, tasting classes or anything like that? For sure. So, you know, like, probably one of one of the things that's hard for me is to really sit down and dedicate a lot of time to, like, like, let's say if I was trying to kind of go front to back and, and like, um, you know, like, let's just say like a chemistry book, which is something that could be really applicable um, to, to where I'm trying to develop my, my skills. But, but something like that's hard for me. So what I, you know, one of the things is just kind of the way I learn is, I mean, just like music vi- or I'm sorry, uh, just YouTube videos of like people doing a certain action. Like I'm a very visual learner like that. But yeah, I mean, just constant research and. I mean, like just just for example, over the weekend, you know, we're doing some building improvements here uh, during all this time, and you know, I'm researching all these different insulation products, you know, but you know, in a winemaking setting, like they're like I don't, I don't know, almost every time I go to do say do something like filter a batch of wine, some question pops in my head. I'll, you know, sit there and research, and you can find freaking research papers from, you know, UC Davis or wine institutes in Australia or wherever. And all this shit's online. It's just there waiting for you. So I read a lot of, read a lot of papers like that. You know, I go to a conference annually that's got like a lot of short courses for just sort of different techniques and, and, um, industry. That's a big one now, especially, you know, now I'm a lot more invested into also the sales side of of my job. Whereas, you know, other wineries I worked at, I was like, hey, I'm the guy in the back. I'll take care of this. You guys sell the wine. And not really, didn't really put a lot of thought into how they did it. But yeah, so now it's like, you know, I just have a, I have a very, um, you know, obvious interest in, and us being able to sell it and like, you know, making sure that our production goals line up with where the market's going, you know, gotcha. and, and how consumers are behaving. Gotcha. So this, uh, the conference, what, what conference is that? So it's, um, Ohio, um, it's Ohio wine conference. And basically it's put on by Ohio state's, um, agriculture programs, OARC. Um, I know uh, just hearing the word Ohio State to you has got to be painful. But, <laughs> but uh, listeners who don't know, I'm a huge Wolverine fan. <laughs> yes, you had your sweatshirt on today. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I mean it, it really is. I mean God, they've been one of the best resources I've had in, in my career. To be honest, is their right. their agriculture department is world renowned, really, and. Um, and, you know, they have extension specialists that are specifically for, um, you know, wineries, so an enologist, um, and then uh, for vineyards as well. Uh, so they have viticulturalists that will come out and visit your vineyard. You know, I've had I've had Ohio State's enologist in my cellar here tasting wine out of barrels with me and advice on, oh, really? you know, how to improve um, sort of quality control um, stuff, measures, and and you know, just good feedback. So, 
So yeah, that's that's a great one. And you you basically get damn near every other winery, you know, someone from damn near every other winery in the state at this thing. So there's a lot of camaraderie there, and and it's it's it really is sort of this. Um, it kind of renews your inspiration in the industry too, or your or, or your enthusiasm, I should say, because you know it's so much of the year. Um, and, and especially for a lot of these wineries that have vineyards, you know, and I still do some vineyard consulting, so I get to see that whole, um, the whole thing. But yeah, like you just got your head down and you're working, man, and all year, and you start trimming grapevines in the winter, and you know you're not going to be able to sell the harvest crop for maybe a couple of years. So you're just doing all this, there's all this work, and there's all these challenges, and there's frost and bugs and batches of wine that maybe don't go right and there's just all this shit and there's a lot of times i hear it all the time from folks that are like man what the hell was i thinking getting into this you know <laughs> and uh it is because it's a farming life once you got a vineyard you know right right and um you, got, you definitely got to think more in the long term right for sure but yeah. but yeah it's it's just very um the camaraderie that we get when we're all there at this conference and and, you know, because then you get to talk to a lot of people that are facing this. You're seeing how other people deal with it, how other people have grown or adapted to the market. And it's it's great. I mean, it, it's it's about a three-day um, three conference. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, there's definitely some debauchery mixed in, too. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you got to make it fun. But, yeah, that's right. that's a good one for sure. So with the with the you being the you know the winemaker and that's just, you know pretty much your life is what you um, set yourself to become and do. What do you wish you would have known when you first started that you didn't know? Uh, well, um, I, I guess I'm kind of saying that that just there is so many different ways to kind of achieve. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Like, uh, you know, when I first got into this business, I was just very focused on learning textbook winemaking because I didn't want to, I didn't want to let anything slip. I didn't want to batch one bad. And, um, you know, I think at first it took me a couple of years where I started questioning some of the, um, practices that I was doing, um, from the, from the beginning. And and it's not so much because they were wrong. It's just there's so many ways to do to achieve the same goal in in this business, you know. And um, and yeah, so it's just just not being so rigid, you know. And and um, you know, just being more sort of adaptive, I guess. Gotcha. So uh, moving on into I guess into the future, your future plans. I know you guys have taken uh, the opportunity with these lockdowns to kind of remodel Revel. How's that going right now? Well, it's it's been amazing, honestly, to see um, the like just how much people are supporting us and buying our wine right now. Because, you know, for those first couple of years, um, there was a lot of loyal guests who came here who probably didn't really know that we even made wine in the basement. And, right. and maybe it just didn't, it wasn't sort of in your face as far as like, hey, this is our identity. You know, um, I think we 
we really sort of established ourselves as as sort of um, a cultural spot in a way, um, it, because you know people, I think all, mostly just kind of fell in love with the vibe that we had here, and and yeah, yeah, I justifiable, love that bar. you know, and I and I think that was a a really smart play by the owners to just double down on that and keep it consistent. And but now because of this, we've able been able to really just say, hey, this is what we do. And because it's really the only kind of service we can offer at the moment. Um, and um, and yeah, just the orders we're getting in, man. I, I mean, I never would have thought um, that so many people would would just be ordering, you know, cases, cases at a time and right. have them delivered to their house. So, so yeah, we've, we've been able to, to use this opportunity, um, to really, you know, kind of, uh, um, let people know, um, Hey, this is what we're really all about. First and foremost. So. Right. So now I got to ask thing. All of a sudden, you had fifty grand just just plopped down in your lap, <laughs> and you know you could do whatever you wanted with it. What would you spend it on, and why? Mm. Um. Well, I would say um, probably one of the first things I would buy would be like um, it's it's a steam generator, which I don't expect. Like I don't, I won't get too technical, but basically this thing can kill like sterilize fucking sterilize, which is a big deal. Like, you know, you can use chemicals all you want that are harsh, and I hate dumping them down the drain and using all this water to make them. Um, but then it's not, they're always not 100% effective. You know, my big thing is I like to make very sort of natural wine in the sense that I use lots of preservatives. Um, I mean, essentially nothing except a little bit of sulfite. And I don't like filtering real heavily because I feel like it comes through in the character of the wine. But right. to do that and still have quality control, you know, if I had this uh, piece of equipment and, and I can just, you know, that en enables me to put a more sort of natural product out there without taking the risk of it going bad in the box. And, um, and so there's sort of a handful of things around that with that same sort of quality assurance, quality control uh, mindset. That's what I'm trying to make my big strides um, now. I mean, I feel like we're, we're, I'm very happy with where our wines are going um, stylistically and quality-wise. Um, so that would just be – that's one of the things that would just help me feel so much better at night. Gotcha. Nice. So let me know. So we're, I'm uh, getting towards the end of this. going to wrap it up, but I've got a couple more questions for you. Sure. Now, uh, can you tell me who professionally has influenced you the most? So I got to give it to Greg Pullman, who is the winemaker at Valley Vineyards. And, um, I mean, this guy's just such a low key badass. Uh, <laughs> he's been making wine in the area for like 40 years. He oh, was nice. one of the first winemakers in Cincinnati, really. Um, you know, in the modern era. Um, in fact, a long time ago, he was the winemaker at a little winery in, in Clifton called sublet winery and this is probably back in the 70s and um but yeah you know he's been out to oregon and, and worked out there but um for for probably the past 20 25 years 
Um, they made all the wine at Alexander. You know, they do, do they do make a lot of sweet wine that, you know, keeps the lights on, but he makes some fantastic dry wines that are grown right there. Um, and just, gosh, man, just such a um, gracious, like, mentor. I mean, any any time I've ever called him with a question, he's just more than happy to share every bit of knowledge he has. Um, you know, personally, this guy, um, I've seen him offer their services for um, us when we were starting up, you know, we didn't have a building to make a wine in and have it aged for two years to open. So uh, they let us use their cellar to get our oh, wine. Oh, pretty dope. Oh, it was unbelievable. And yeah. I know he did the same thing for another startup I consulted for a few years ago. Um, exact same thing. And so, I mean, they're just, he's an absolute champion for the Ohio wine industry and just, can just lifts every every young person, or I should not not even young. I should just say anybody that's getting into this business, young or old. Um, just the encouragement and knowledge that he shares, it it really is profound. And I mean, he's the type of dude who, like, probably he just hates getting a compliment like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, but no, he he really is an awesome. Right? Oh, absolutely, man. He's and. And the guy's palate is freaking just insane. I mean, we used to have these little jokes in the cellar because I, I, I did a lot of my lab training up there with them. And uh, he could taste the wine and that's like the pH. Oh, wow. Which I can't fucking taste pH, man. Like, but, <laughs> but he, you know, he's always like right on it. And uh, so just, you know, it's, it's, and that's all experiential stuff you know i mean right. you can get that from reading a book um and and you know i think part of the part of the thing that's probably led to him being so so talented is is being home because ego's getting in the way of a lot of shit and and when i think of a lot of the other folks that i've met that have wineries and are wine makers, like you know it's about the ego right gotcha yeah so, big uh, shout out to greg Right, right. For all of our listeners out there who want to connect with you or Revel, uh, what's any of the social media information? Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, Revel OTR um, on Facebook, um, at Revel OTR on Twitter, and then um, man, Instagram. Same. I know you told me to know this stuff. I'm not, I'm not much of a tech guy myself, but... Um, but no, and what's cool something that we've actually been talking about doing, especially with all this, is we want to kind of have like, um, we want to have a little bit more, um, interface with our, with our, uh, customers and, and just anybody who's interested about what we're doing, uh, through our social media. So people can ask me what's going on in the cellar or, you know, questions about why we do, right? um, you know, what's, what's sort of reasoning behind certain methods uh and winemaking so um that's something I, you know people should definitely keep an eye out for uh, on our website and then through our social media it's just a sort of ask the winemaker uh forum right uh, gotcha. where we can really engage with people and you know because right. anybody that's curious about this that's that's a golden opportunity for us if you got any sort of curiosity about wine you know it's that's exactly that's our that's our ideal customer not necessarily uh, 
become aficionado. We just want the curious people. That's where we excel. Gotcha. All right, so one last question for you. It may not be fair to ask a winemaker this, but hard day at work. When it's all said and done, you get home, what do you pop open to drink? Mm, I mean, I'd say uh, nine times out of ten, it's something bubbly. Something bubbly. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I pound Prosecco like it's my job. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, like right now in the fridge, I got um, I got some Citra um, IPA from Carrican that's killer. And, uh, I, you know, as far as my, my liquor choice, I've been actually doing, doing White Russians the past couple of weeks. Oh, White Russians. Getting back huh? into dude mode, you know? I mean, fuck, I get to wear sweatpants half the time anyway. It just seems... <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, I do appreciate you taking time out of your day and talking to me. Oh, yeah, man. It was my pleasure. Yeah. And, all right. Well, until we see each other again, enjoy the rest of this, uh, I guess, vacation we're on. I know, right? Yeah, man. I, I appreciate you giving me a chance to just talk about what we're doing and, and what's going on here and tell a little bit about myself. Um, I think I think it's a fun project, man. Just I love the fact that you're giving people a chance to connect. Um, so Absolutely. yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity, man. And, uh, Al, I'm sure I'll be seeing you for too long walking around down here. Absolutely. I'm out on my walk right now. All right. Take it easy, brother. Appreciate it. All right. See you, homie. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so very much for giving me some of your time today. I greatly appreciate you listening to the Midwest Bar Life podcast. Please remember, we are all one people. Spread joy and love. And until next time, Always choose to uplift.